Welcome to a quick mini-sode. Mini-sode. River Heights Radio mini-sode. River Heights Radio mini-sode. mini-sode. The book before the book we read. Carl. Yeah. Would you like to hear uh, <laughs> what this book would have been in the 1930s? Because it was a completely different book. Like the title or the whole The, the whole, whole plot. plot. Oh, gosh. I. Let I, me tell you, it's simple. I was flabbergasted by the complexity. This one is convoluted. <laughs> okay. And it's like they took this simple one and they're like, no, 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 no. Right. That was a bestseller and all, but it's the 1950s now. Yeah, we're, we gotta get that all that rock star stuff in there. Yeah, we gotta throw robots in there. Or no, sub, submarines. <laughs> it's the same thing. Submarines, electronic parts, spies. This uh, There's so much happening in Talk our town that I don't danger. know about. There is going to be every type of danger. No, 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 no. Not in the original one. Okay. In the original Mystery at the Lilac Inn, Nancy Drew spends the first three chapters <laughs> trying frantically to find a maid because Hannah Gruen has to go out of town suddenly and there's a dinner party coming up. So all she's doing is taking applicants for this maid position for three whole chapters. Sure, the mystery of how to get a maid. Her, her friend shows up, Emily Crandall, and is like, oh no, my jewels have been stolen. So that happens off screen? Yeah. We got to see that happen. So what happened was Jane Willoughby, her guardian, went to lunch at the Lilac Inn. And this is the only place the Lilac Inn figures in. What? <laughs> yeah. She went to lunch. There was a car accident outside that distracted all the diners. And when she came back to her table, her handbag with her diamonds had disappeared. By coincidence, one of these maids Nancy Drew interviews mm -hmm. for her position is Mary Mason. And Mary Mason also is a waitress at the Lilac Inn. And as we know, stole the diamonds. So that's about the complexity of that novel. Wait, oh my God. Wait. One of the reasons the novel was heavily changed is the first novel was one of the most racist Nancy Drew novels. I hate to say it, but please tell me more. I told you that Nancy Drew was interviewing maids. Right. Okay, so as you can... Yes. <laughs> not, gr <laughs> not great, right? So our, <laughs> so our setting sucks. Well, yes, but also is is built for racism. That's what I mean, yeah. Yes. That's, yeah. So Jennifer Shaw, in her article, Not Your Mother's Nancy Drew, a comparison between the original and revised texts of the first seven novels, published in May 2012, details the first three chapters a little bit. She talks about the racism in those three chapters. So, so the, who does Nancy interview first? So the first made applicant, according to the 1930s I don't know. version, is a quote-unquote colored woman. Oh no. And unfortunately, later in the passage quote-unquote, a negress. Oh, no. Yes. Here is the description of this applicant. A more unlikely housekeeper Nancy had never seen. Oh, no! She was dirty. Oh, no. And slovenly in appearance and had an unpleasant way of shuffling her feet when she walked. Yes, it's awful. Yes. So, obviously couldn't have this in the 1950s text. The 1950s suburban white women could not be bothered with these stereotypes. So they just removed race from the novels, as we've talked about before. The stereotypes here revolve around questions of hygiene. Jennifer Shaw points out, this harkens back to before I had read this article, we read The Secret of the Old Clock, mm. and there was a character named Jeff Tucker. And You seem nice. 
Yes, his hygiene was also uh, called into question. He was also black in the original 1930s. I feel like that's why it's important to talk about all of this is it is uncomfortable for us to uh, Midwestern white people in America to confront the fact that Nancy Drew was and I would argue very much is racist. And I think it would be negligent of us to devote an entire podcast to Nancy Drew without continuing to confront that and confront the many ways in which Nancy Drew is kind of reflective of the worst parts of American ideals. So the second made applicant... Oh god, there's more. ...is Irish. Okay, well now to be fair, (laughs) gross... Now you, I think we're more comfortable now. Yeah, now now we can joke about it. I guess the Irish. We just had St. Patrick's Day. I, I did am, not. I'm say. Irish. In the previous episode, we made a joke. Oh ho ho! Nancy would never be with a red-haired boy. <laughs> And, you know, it, it's it's funny, but we have to remember oh, no. in the late 1900s, it was still, people were still putting up signs, the Irish need not apply. There was still serious and harmful bias being enacted against Irish people. This, sh- this is not comparable to racism, but it's still very harmful. So the agency sent me an Irish woman, says Nancy. She was the most unreasonable housekeeper I ever interviewed. <laughs> And that's all. She doesn't explain to her dad why this woman was a bad fit. It's just understood that Irish people might not be uh, <laughs> reasonable. reasonable people. Come on. You have people like Chief McGinnis in this book. Oh, Chief McGinnis. Chief McGinnis, who is the chief of police. And this goes into, we know in the 1930s, Nancy was not necessarily pro-police. And probably uh, it wasn't. And mm-hmm. they were portrayed as violent and often Irish. Because those went hand in hand, obviously. I love the part where she is given special permission to drive without a driver's license. I can't even get over that. (laughs) I'm just sitting here waiting. It goes back to this idea morally of, remember Nancy, only do as much as you are absolutely legally allowed to do. It's a bad thing to do. Think to yourself, but legally can I? And if the answer is yes, please do that thing. And we don't see her climbing into any windows in this book. Though that still would have been in the 1930s. She still would have climbed into windows illegally. She called another agency and they sent her a quote-unquote scotch lassie. She looked promising, but I found she hadn't a particle of experience and knew little about cooking. Scottish was probably the closest to British, but still not good enough. So, um, but it's in all of them. The 1950s isn't free of these things. It just doesn't name them. Obviously, the 1950s is as much terrible stuff, but at least it has spies and submarines. Racism, during which maids are interviewed, or racism with skin swimming. Skin swimming? Skin diving? Skin diving. Skin diving. Oh my god. Which isn't as fun as it sounds. Uh, you do wear things. Are you ready for another bit of knowledge? Yeah, I'm always ready. Helen wasn't even in the 1930s version. Oh, but she's instrumental. How would I find out what's going on with... <laughs> Jim Archer, her oil-shilling husband. That's the 1930s for you folks. This has been the book before the book. A tantalizing minisode. Minisode? Minnesota minisode. This has been the book before (laughs) before the the book. book. A tantalizing Tantalizing minisode (laughs) from River Heights Radio. Go Go Wildcats! Wildcats!